there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am here with Brooke Scheller, our functional medicine nutritionist, and I am Dr. Nicole. We work side by side here at Integrative Wellness Group in Belmar, New Jersey. And today we're actually talking about um, mold and fungal infections and how they can actually impact your hormones. So interesting enough, depending on if you are a male or a female, uh, getting exposed to mold and getting exposed to um, other types of fungus, including candida yeast, actually affects men and women very differently. So we actually find that in men, they're going to have lower testosterone levels And in females, they're actually going to have higher estrogen and higher testosterone levels, which can potentially lead to different conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, as well as other types of cysts and fibroids in the reproductive organs. So we're going to dive in and and talk a little bit more about these topics in detail um, and really just get you a little bit more clear of an understanding of what we're kind of meaning by mold exposure or fungal infections. And I think this is such an important topic because being in practice here, we have so many people that come in with hormone imbalances and we've, we've chalked it up to making it this super normal thing that, um, you know, PCOS is, is very common these days, or even hormonal imbalances around our periods or menopausal type of symptoms that they've really just become super normal. And we don't really think that there's anything wrong. We just kind of chalk it up to maybe aging. Um, and even fertility is another one too, that a lot of us think, you know, we have to go through IVF or, or some other type of extreme measure to get pregnant. But re- really it's understanding why are the hormones out of balance to begin with? So to start, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about where we might be getting exposed to these things because some of us might be thinking that, um, you know, I've never been exposed to mold or I've never heard of something like candida before, but most people have had some type of exposure. So let's talk a little bit more about where somebody might be exposed to that. Well, I think the interesting thing about mold is um, with the mold exposure that we get, it's not always going to be that black mold exposure that we may be thinking of. Uh, there's a lot of people that are struggling with different types of allergies, um, you know, which we call seasonal allergies. But what I find so interesting is when I dive deeper with people in their consultations, I'm actually finding that their allergies are kicking in when either the air conditioning is turning on or the heat is turning on. And it's typically because their um, HVAC systems are contaminated with you know, different types of mold. And again, it does not always have to be that black mold. It could be various different types. Um, but in addition, we also have mold exposure from food. You know, there was um, a, a young boy that I worked with, and he was a very extreme mold case, and he had exposure from his home, but that was actually a very small in comparison to what he was getting exposed to through his diet. He actually pretty much lived off of uh, cereal. It was specifically like corn-based cereals, and he also lived off of peanut butter crackers. So some of the highest mold foods is going to be a combination of wheat, corn, and peanut butter. So 
if you are someone who is maybe consuming these foods and you're especially consuming maybe the more commercial brands that are maybe a little bit more processed than the average um, natural peanut butter, you might be getting exposed to high levels of mold through your diet um, outside of what you might be getting exposed to in your home, in your workplace, in a public school. Uh, we do find that that is also a huge culprit is these schools that are just older and not maintained properly. Yeah, and another thing I think that's huge that we find a lot too is people that have had a past exposure. And I'm talking about even several years before or growing up. Uh, recently I had uh, a woman come to me with, with hormonal issues her entire life and through kind of digging through some of her history, come to find out that growing up she had lived in a very old home, they had had a lot of flooding and different scenarios where water had intruded the house. And so since her symptoms started so long before, you know, she had kind of just always thought, well, I always had, you know, irregular periods and I've always had bad PMS. It's genetic. It's genetic. (laughs) My mom had it. And then we talk about, oh, well, you know, mom was living in the home too. So could mom have been affected? Dad have been affected? And a lot of times when we ask even about the family members that lived in the same home or if it's a workplace, coworkers and things like that, we see almost these little clumps of people that'll be sick or have similar symptoms, headaches or, you know, different things like that. So it's very interesting once you start peeling away some of those layers and thinking a little bit back on maybe some past exposure that you might have had and not just something that's current. Yeah. Well, let's actually talk a little bit about the other symptoms. So obviously this podcast is to educate on the hormonal components of mold exposure or fungal infections, but um, there's actually a lot of symptoms that can manifest. And I think the biggest things that we think of is we think of, oh, if you get exposed to mold, you have respiratory issues or you might have sinus issues um, that tag along some allergies, but there's actually some really odd symptoms that you would never realize necessarily. Uh, So some of those actually include having a lot of issues with uh, temperature regulation. So you might find yourself getting hot at night. You always have to, you know, get the covers off of you at some point. AKA hot flashes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You also might find yourself, you know, having um, issues with feeling cold during the day, especially in your hands and feet. Don't get me wrong, that can overlap with thyroid issues, but it is a culprit of mold as well. Uh, visual issues. Um, this is a really big thing that we see is that uh, people start to notice that their vision is getting worse and they're having a lot of issues with blurriness in their peripheral, so out to the sides, and they're also dealing with eye floaters as well. Um, there's actually some different types of urinary symptoms as well as neurological symptoms that can manifest. So if you find yourself having frequent urination or really feeling thirsty a lot, you might think, oh my god, am I becoming a diabetic? And uh, what actually happens when you have mold in your system is you urinate out all of your electrolytes. So you tend to urinate frequently. In addition, you are going to be quite thirsty. Um, And I would say one of the other big ones is going to be weird sensations um, from a numbness uh, tingling standpoint, or even having like this weird buzzing sensation in the body, like almost feeling like there's electrical impulses going through your system. Those are usually people that are have been exposed for a significant amount of time, but it is something that can manifest. And usually, you know, you get told it's in your head. Um, and it's not, it's really just the mycotoxins can really affect your neurological system. Yeah. And a couple other things that I'm thinking about is even ringing in the ears, which mm-hmm. I think is, is fairly common and a lot of people think is normal or have been dealing with it long term. Um, but it is one of those classic symptoms. But I think even the biggest thing, and I know you want to talk more about this, is the impact it'll have on the immune system as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the immune system is something that really gets triggered in the event that somebody is exposed to, to mold and the toxins that is given off by mold, which we call mycotoxins. And what really happens is the immune system becomes very overloaded and very burdened. So it then uh, kind of opens you up to having a lot of immune issues. So one of those things can be autoimmune conditions. Um, you can also get sick often. You can also potentially get yourself um, vulnerable to Lyme's disease or even vulnerable to various types of parasites. So if you find that you know, you might have lived in a, in a moldy environment, then all of a sudden you're having a lot of stomach problems, your digestive tract isn't the same. You can actually have mold that colonizes in your gut, but you also can be, opens up to your body not being able to fight off things that maybe are getting into your system through food. Or even things I think that are lying dormant in the body if you have past infections and then your immune system drops down to this place where you can't really fight things off, so then you start having flare-ups of these different conditions as well. Yeah, I think Epstein-Barr virus is such a big one for that. So Epstein-Barr virus is what causes mono. So if you've had mono as a kid and then you get exposed to molds, uh, say maybe you went to college and you know you lived in a moldy dorm room, unfortunately very common, uh, then you might find that all of a sudden, you know, you get out of college, you're in your 20s, and all of a sudden you're really tired and your fatigue is just, you know, kind of really consuming you. And a lot of times it's because that moldy environment can suppress your immune system and now the, the virus, which causes mono, starts to kind of creep up and come to the surface. So let's talk about candida's role with the fungal infections as well. Yeah, so when we say fungus, fungus is really uh, the category of mold and it's going to be the category of yeast. And candida is just one of those yeasts that I feel like a lot of people have heard of because if they've been dealing with underlying gastrointestinal issues or they're getting bloated a lot or they're having just a lot of issues with either constipation or even sometimes loose bowel movements, that they might be working with a physician that is telling them that they have candida. And candida is one of those things that everybody has a little bit in their system, but it will become overgrown in the event that you are eating high abundance of sugars and carbohydrates, um, typically not favorable ones. Like if you're going to sit down and eat a bunch of fruit, you're not necessarily going to ever have a problem with candida. But if you're eating a lot more of processed carbohydrates, processed sugars, that's a little bit different of a story. You will actually, you know, overgrow that yeast and have that become problematic. So let's jump into talking more about the hormones. And to start, I know we wanted to mention about, um, kind of on the woman's side of things, how a woman's hormones are going to be affected in the event of this. Yeah, so interesting enough, it does affect men and women pretty differently. Um, like we mentioned earlier, that men will typically have the low testosterone and women will actually tend to have high testosterone for a period of time. Uh, so one of the big things that happens, and this is going to be fungus related in general, so this could be the candida or this can be the mold, or if you have both in your system, they'll both do the same thing. So what happens is you're actually going to have the fungus eat up most of your progesterone. And progesterone is an essential hormone that kind of keeps the balance of the estrogen, the testosterone, and make sure that you get your periods on time, that you don't have tremendous amount of PMS, that you don't develop things like endometriosis, that you also don't develop cysts or fibroids. So progesterone is absolutely essential in playing a role in your hormonal balance and the fungus will actually consume most of your progesterone. 
So once you become deficient in progesterone, then this is going to then create a lot of issues with your estrogen as well. So one of the most interesting things about fungus is it actually can produce what you call false estrogen. So your body does perceive it as estrogen, but it's not estrogen that's made by your body. So as this estrogen you know, becomes abundant, and this will show up on lab work. So if you're running somebody's total estrogens and it's through the roof, it doesn't, again, necessarily mean that that is something that that person's body made. It means that they could potentially have these false estrogens which are being created by the fungus, aka mold and yeast. So with that being said, now the body kind of just starts to shut down its ability to make its own estrogen because it's like, whoa, there's plenty. We don't need to make it. And that is something that actually starts to kick in a response from our adrenal glands. So trying to keep this as simple as possible, your adrenals, everyone thinks that most of your sex hormones come from your reproductive organs, and they do, but your adrenals play a huge role in this. So your adrenals make something called DHEA, which will then convert into estrogen and testosterone. So if you have all of this excess estrogen free floating, your body is going to stop making estrogen. So at that point, as a compensation mechanism, your DHEA is going to start to be overproduced, which again will then also convert into testosterone. So what women tend to have is you look at their labs, they have high estrogen, which is a lot of false estrogen. They also have high testosterone, which is that which is then going to actually kick in what we call PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and also can kick in endometriosis. So it's a very interesting cascade that happens essentially. Well, and how do things like birth control or bioidentical hormones play a role into that? Well, it depends on what you're on. Birth control is going to provide more estrogen, which is going to then feed the fungus more, um, which is going to create a whole array of problems. And then it depends on what you get put on through bioidenticals. If you're getting put on progesterone, that's also going to feed the mold. Um, And if you're getting put on estrogen, it's also going to cause your weight to yo-yo. And it also is going to feed the fungus that's present in your body as well. So it's very interesting because I know that a lot of women feel better once they go on different types of bioidenticals, but it's because you're pretty much feeding the things that are consuming your hormones. So you're just providing food for those organisms. So that is one of the reasons why a lot of the symptoms kind of become buffered at that point. But at the end of the day, it never, never necessarily resolves the problem. So you women will find themselves yo-yoing back and forth with their symptoms. Well, and I think one of the most important things is that testing is really important because I think a lot of women and, you know, especially younger women, they go to their OBGYN and they're having hormonal symptoms and right away their doctor will put them on a birth control pill. And they don't really do any type of lab work or testing or follow-up to kind of check and see is this person actually suffering from a hormonal imbalance? Are, is estrogen level too low when you're giving estrogen? Or are you giving someone estrogen when their estrogen's already through the roof? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really about understanding, you know, what's going on in your body. And, and what we always say is we help you to ask the right questions and kind of dig a little bit deeper into your own case so that you can feel your best. 
And so it's a matter of really understanding the right testing. So would you want to elaborate a little bit more on, on what someone might have done? From, for testing? For testing, yeah. Yeah, so with the testing, you know, I have a lot of women, or we both have a lot of women that come in, and they're specifically coming in for their hormones, and they always ask, what are you doing to test my hormones? And I pretty much let them know, I'm going to test your hormones, I'm going to test it through the blood, which honestly is not the best avenue to test. But the reason why I'm doing that is because, first and foremost, I want to find out if there is any underlying foundational issues that are affecting their hormones in a negative way. So we want to establish, is there any of these fungal infections? Do they have mold exposure? Do they have mold in their body? Do they have candida yeast? And if they do, we're going to work on that first and resolve those foundational issues. And then if their hormones have not balanced at that point, that is when we're going to dive deeper and do a saliva-based hormone test, which is going to give us a really clear picture as to, okay, now that the fungus is out of the picture, this is truly where this person's hormones are at. And one of the things that we actually haven't even mentioned is how the fungus is going to really throw off your um, progesterone and your estrogen. But the same thing goes for thyroid hormone. You'll definitely find that these uh, different fungal infections are going to actually prevent your thyroid's ability to make T4, which is one of the biggest things that is causing so many women to be on thyroid medication like Synthroid um, or Tyrosin or whatever it is. So it's, it's definitely playing a huge role in thyroid conditions as well. So what would be your words of wisdom to people who are listening and are thinking, oh my gosh, that's me, I've gone down this route and I still don't feel better? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing is, is, is starting to kind of look outside the box because if you are someone who has been struggling with hormonal issues, and again, when we say hormonal issues, this could be every, anything from just PMS to, to bad cramps to endometriosis, cysts on your ovaries um, or, or fibroids, whatever it is, um, all of those are going to be indicators for hormonal imbalance. And if you embarked on birth control and you embarked on bioidenticals and you just still do not feel like your hormones are balanced, it's time to kind of dig a little bit deeper and see if any type of infections are playing a role in your hormones. Because unfortunately, it is very, very, very common. Um, I really have not worked with one woman who came to me with a hormonal issue that did not have some level of, of an infection that was compromising that. And I'm not saying that every single person it was mold or every single person it was yeast, but um, those are two big culprits. But there are other types of viruses and infections that also play a role in your hormones. I always say the hormones are the like the last part of the snowball effect. You have all of these foundational things that will start to dysfunction. And once that process keeps going or those infections are not resolved, you will start to see hormones get out of balance. Um, so it's really fixing those foundational issues and you should see major, major improvement. And I always explain to people, I remember learning this a long time ago and I, this always kind of sat really well with me that your reproductive system is the only entire organ system in your body that you could remove the entire thing and still live. So unfortunately, whenever something's going wrong in the body, the hormonal system tends to be the first one to go because that's the one that we don't really need to exist, to, to, to live, survive, to survive. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll tend to see the hormones go first, and then maybe down the line we're seeing things like headaches or 
more significant symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's definitely the, the hormones are definitely affected by so many of, uh, not even always just the infection, but the toxins given off by different types of infections. And it's definitely a system that is fragile. Well, we really hope that this resonated with some of you. And one of the things that we do on all of our podcasts is we offer a free 15-minute strategy call. If you're listening and you want to talk more about how we might be able to help your symptoms or guide you on asking better questions. So if you head to integrativewellnessgroup.com, you can schedule that right on the homepage. And we look forward to speaking with you soon.